Welcome to the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Bruce McCurdy and I'm here today with my Cult of Hockey colleague, Kurt Levins. Hello, Kurt. Hello, Bruce. How are you this evening? Uh, I hope I'm sounding better than I did at the last podcast. I had an issue with my microphone and I don't know what the heck happened, but I sounded like somebody said I sounded like I was dialing it in from a submarine. Yeah, uh, yeah. And <laughs> They're not too far wrong. I do apologize. That was, uh, uh, it's on my checklist, but I'm working with a new checklist because I'm playing host for these couple of games while David's away in Calgary. And uh, uh, we, uh, we get to play around with different roles. And uh, so today we get to talk about a uh, uh, disappointing uh, yet somewhat fruitful 5-4 overtime loss by the Edmonton Oilers to Dallas Stars in which the Oilers had a 4-2 lead through 40 minutes and couldn't hold it and then couldn't get the job done in overtime. But nonetheless, uh, by the NHL's cockamamie point system, they're still rewarded with a point for uh, blowing a lead and losing. So that's how it works these days in Gary Bettman's NHL. So they should have uh, declined the second intermission. <laughs> I thought they should have declined the second intermission, Bruce. Yeah. You know, yeah. they. I thought they really had Dallas on their heels in that second period, and and uh, they never did regain that mojo in the third, to my eye. Right, right. Well, that's going to play right into my good and bad things. But I'm going to start by asking you as to what what you saw as your good thing in today's game. Well, my good thing would have been Jujar Kara, uh, and this is a player who I think quite rightly has come in for some criticism this year. I mean, we've okay. been waiting for the for the real. JJ to show up and I think this is the good version of JJ and he can he can show up anytime he likes uh had two goals tonight the first one was kind of a hard working drive to the net uh, and good luck will follow you goal uh the second one was actually a just a, a lovely a goal scorer's goal I don't goal scorer's goal I'd almost call it uh, yep. as he was as he was uh fainting one way and shot against the grain the other way, uh, top left-hand corner, uh, just lovely goal, is second and third on the season um, uh, on what is a very impressive line for Jujar tonight. I mean, he had five shots in that, including those two. Yeah. Uh, he played very physical, had four hits on the night, had a takeaway as well, uh, played in all three disciplines. On uh, one yeah. power play, he was the net front presence, so got a bit of power play time. Uh, and another clean sheet on the PK for Jujar tonight as well. The the Stars didn't score in the 151 that he played on the PK. Uh, and 1638 overall, because uh, Dave Tippett um, went to the three-line model very early in the third period, and and the Shahen uh, kara russell line was was one of the three lines that, that Dave picked. So I think uh, Jujar Kara absolutely his best game of the year, and I'd follow that up with, more please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about the power play where he was in that front presence. Well, he actually did uh, contribute to that power play goal uh, that was ultimately scored by Ethan Bear. But it was Kara who, first of all, uh, won a race to the puck on the sideboards and fed it back to the point to begin the next cycle. And then he was uh, in the mix in front of the net, uh, creating the uh, uh, the option that McDavid passed through the option to bear on the far side but the mm-hmm. one defenseman was left covering two guys and uh, JJ Carroll was one of them and bear wound up being wide open and so he did the net front job you know the puck retrieval net front job uh, beautifully on that uh, on that sequence 
And you know, that was the first goal all year for the second unit, if you want to consider a, a unit that includes Ethan Bear, Darnell Nurth, Dujar Kara, and oh yeah, Connor McDavid, <laughs> and Leon Dreisaitl as the second hurt, unit. Yeah. <laughs> but really, that was their, you know, they had the two big guys out there, and they'd actually switched off three of the other players, and they managed to manufacture one late in the power play. And, you know, uh, Jujar, I mean, that's the thing about him, isn't it, Bruce? I mean, he mm-hmm. has really good size and strength. And when he plays on, on the right side of the man, he's very effective. And he's an above-average NHL skater, uh, particularly straight-ahead speed. And so he, if he keeps his feet moving and gets involved, he can be a really effective player. And he has just enough skill, just enough skill to be dangerous. And when he got the two opportunities tonight, he made the most of them. Yeah, well, he can play with skill and... He showed it in two earlier games this year with Ryan Nugent Hopkins when he played with uh, Nugent Neal, I think it was, on the, uh, yes. on the forward line. And I thought those were his two best games of the year before today, which clearly was his best by far. Uh, and then today, it was like he had a line change. It was at the end of a power play. Drysaddle came off, Kara came on, but McDavid stayed out, and it was McDavid that dropped the puck to to. Kara in shooting position. He's got a wicked shot, and every once in a while he can hit the target as he did there, and mm-hmm. drove drove Ben Bishop to the bench. But that was a great shot, and you know Kara or McDavid got him the puck in shooting position, which you could play for a month with Riley Shane and maybe not get a chance like that. <laughs> it took about ten seconds with McDavid, and there's yeah. there's JJ Kara with the clear shot on net from the slot, and what do you know? It goes in the net. Fair enough. So, he uh, he was strong really in all aspects of the game, and I'm basically, I'm I'm sort of between an eight eight plus for Kara Kara today. I, I may even push it because it's really hard to criticize any aspect of his game. Frankly. Yeah, he was super strong. I wouldn't argue with that either. So my good thing was the second period, uh, in particular. The first period was all right, and it was especially good that they bounced back with uh, with the goal Kara's first goal, 11 seconds after Dallas took the opening lead. But really, it was the second period where the Oilers took command of this game and did knock Ben Bishop out of the net. Uh, they scored twice. They outshot Dallas 19-10. to 10, And it looked like they had the Stars completely on their heels. And at the end of a long road trip, and you're thinking, well, this third period, um, they're, you know, what more could you ask for than a two-goal lead going into, into the third period against an opponent playing their third game in three and a half days? I mean... Anyway, so that's, we'll end my good thing there and we'll get to my, well, actually, I'll go first this time, my bad thing. Okay. The third, the third period. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> surprise. like two different <laughs> teams out there. The shots went from 1910 Edmonton to 15-4 for Dallas. And the uh, shot attempts were 27 to 8 for Dallas in the third period. And the orders whatever they were doing to push the play and win battles, it seemed like they stopped doing a lot of those things. And they did a lot of sort of skating in sand in their own end of the ice without the puck and long stretches where they couldn't win battles to get the darn thing out. Uh, long seemed like every defensive zone faceoff would result in a Dallas possession and more pressure and just kind of silly things. Like there was one play where they finally got out of their own end and Nugent Hopkins got the puck in the center ice zone and he froze. And then instead of shooting in, he kind of got surrounded and then he wound up firing a pass backwards to nobody. It went into Oilers Mm. territory. Koskinen comes out of the net to play the puck. He freezes with the puck on his stick and they wind up almost getting a tap into the empty net out of it. Like it was just sort of went from 
this is under control finally to what the hell is going on out there mm. and there was just too much of that in the third and and you know even at four two I, w- I was having the bad feeling i'm thinking this lead does not feel safe and from four three on it just i mean there there was times there was minute here minute there where the oilers sort of gained uh composure uh but at no point did they really get it into lockdown mode yeah i would agree with that and and you know what i think the oilers bruce are a quicker team than dallas um uh, even with a couple uh, of their regulars out of the lineup, I do think they're quicker overall from top to bottom. Um, mm-hmm. But I really felt like they sat back in the third period mm-hmm. and they get, and they gave Dallas the opportunity. That's a veteran team over there, Dallas. They're smart yeah, with think? the puck. You know what? They put the puck in good places. They go in and they grind away. And, and I thought that third period, I honestly, I thought the Oilers played right into Dallas's hands. I thought the game slowed down. The game got heavier. I thought that favored Dallas. And I thought that was one of a number of things that tipped the balance. Yeah, can't argue. What, what, what have you got for, uh, for a bad thing from your observations, Kurt? Well, my bad thing was... Um, I'm not one to typically criticize Dave Tippett because I think he is an excellent NHL coach. And I'm not an NHL coach. I just play one on the Cult of Hockey podcast. Um, but I That's our really, job here. Yeah. I really did wonder at some of his choices tonight. And here's a couple of, a couple of the key examples. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, the first and only shift that the Haas unit got in the third period was around the two-minute mark. Mm-hmm. And the, and the three of them, him and and Gagne and Granlin, didn't see the ice together again. And and two of those three didn't see the ice again. Period. And honestly, I thought on balance that line was okay. I thought for the most part they held their own. In the second period, they actually had a couple good chances. Um, but hey, if you want to go to go to three lines, you want to go to three lines. But at that point, everybody else is playing extra shifts, extra shifts. So you're starting to pile up the ice time on, on your, on your best nine guys and particularly your best six guys. Um, and I thought that dovetailed into overtime where I thought that the units that went out there in overtime, I thought the Oilers had, had the more, the more tired and the more, um, the unit that had more hard work on that night going out there in the third period, uh, uh, sorry, in, in, in the three on three. So, I would have rolled four lines a little bit longer. You got a 4-2 lead. I, I mean, mm-hmm. at, at that point, I think attrition is not a bad plan. So I wasn't right. a fan of that. And then in the 3-3 three and three overtime, I, I have to give full credit to the Dallas coach. I thought it was super smart. They, they started, um, uh, the Oilers started uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, as you would expect they would. Uh, but Dallas didn't start out with their two big guys. They started out with Dickinson uh, and Pavelski. Uh, Dickinson's a good defensive player. Pavelski's a real good NHL player and a real smart veteran NHL player. Uh, and I thought that uh, basically those guys played McDavid and Drysaddle to a draw uh, in, in well, their first had, shift. They had the puck the whole time. They won yeah. the draw, they won the draw and, the, and they, they have, I think it was 50 seconds before uh, Connor and Leon ever got a hold of the thing. And by then Dallas was in position to make the change. Yeah. Which, and that's basically what you want, right? Is, is you want to play the three on three overtime with those guys not having the puck. Uh, and then Dallas makes the change. So, so then at, uh, you know, at, at that point in the game against most teams, I think Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, um, winded are better than most players in the NHL. But in Dallas's case, now they come out with a fresh Tyler Sagan 
and a fresh Jamie Benn against, you know, Connor and Leon, who'd been out there for 90 seconds already. Uh, and I didn't think they had anything left in the tank, and I thought it showed in the sequence that ended up in the winning goal. I'm not faulting those players. You want your best players out there in overtime, but I really thought it was smart on Dallas's part to go with those two pairs of forwards that they did, and, and I thought that tactic helped them win the game. They had a huge energy advantage for those crucial 15 seconds or whatever it was. And yep. Yeah, with David tried to stick handle around um, Essa Lindell and failed, and then right away he got caught out of the play, and he just didn't have the wind to get back into it, it didn't no. look like. Essa Lindell's a good player. Hey, I oh, like yeah. 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 All right, well, uh, what have you got then out of this game for a number? A uh, number. My number on the night is three. Uh, right. Tonight, the Oilers, three of their four goals came from players that aren't in the top six. So we got the two goals, the two aforementioned goals from Jujar Kara, and just a lovely power goal by Ethan Bear. I, I thought that that goal was a fair little bit like his first ever NHL goal. Mm-hmm. You'll remember that time he, he, he bust yes. in off the point and right to the goal mouth and scored yes. that night. This one was similar, and you described it beautifully, Bruce. It was, you know, um, JJ was right in front with a man on him, and I thought that Connor Connor looked off that check nicely, found Ethan, and Ethan made no mistake. I mean, what a pretty, that was a defenseman goal scorer's goal. And I think any night when the Edmonton Oilers get three goals from someone whose names aren't McDavid and Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Neil, you're going to win. And so out, out of, out of, I guess if we're looking for silver lining, you already said the loser point, the Batman point, we'll take that one. And I, and I guess I'll add that uh, we did see a breakout from Jujar Kara. We got a goal from Ethan Bear on the back end um, on a team that really does have to lean heavily on 97 and 29. Um, they didn't have to tonight per se, and four goals in the NHL today, honestly, Bruce, should be enough to win. Yeah, I believe this is the first uh point that the Oilers have given up on a game they scored four goals this year. I think they've been undefeated to this point and I mean, surely that's what you expect. Four goals is going to win you uh, most games. But uh, uh, and with a 4-2 lead in the third, you think it would be enough to, to win you this game, but turned out they needed to add to it and they really didn't get uh, uh, they didn't get a lot of pressure happening in the third period. You know, that, uh, that power play goal by Ethan Bear is the first power play goal by an Oilers defenseman all season. That's right, and it is. Mm-hmm. Bear has uh, uh, played on the power play for a uh, relatively few number of seconds compared to uh, uh, the main guys. And he's he I think he's going to challenge for that uh, number one spot. And, and that said, I've actually enjoyed uh, uh, Oscar Kleffbaum's play on the point these last couple of games. I think he's, yep. he's done well there. Uh, but uh, he's going to have to fight off a challenge from Mr. Bear to, to keep that spot. And I mean, what's not well, to like? You, you see the, the advantage of the right-handed shot there. Hundred percent. You got to have yeah. one somewhere on your power play, even if it's coming in off the point and slipping into the back door once in a while. He used yep. to do that in Seattle there, and a guy named Matt Barzel would have a knack for passing, finding, <laughs> finding him on the back door, and he'd slam him home and. And the anyway. other thing about Ethan Bear, of course, is 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 he has the highest percentage of shots that actually get to the net, uh, mm-hmm. proportional to shots taken of any any defenseman on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell me what's bad about that—a right hand shot on uh, your power play and you can get the puck to the net. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, that's an interesting stat that uh, that I track sort of sporadically. You don't find it anywhere, but you can look it up and find out for yourself. And it, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, defensemen in particular. Many of them have trouble hitting the net with more than maybe forty percent of their shot attempts. Uh, if that, so uh, my number is uh, is not a tribute to Ethan Bear, but it is seventy four. Hmm. And 74 is the average shift length, 74 seconds for Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid in this game. Hmm. They each played 22 shifts. They each played, well, 27-21 for McDavid, 27-20 for Dreisaitl. And we talked about how their batteries would be recharged and so on after the last game. But those are long shifts. And, you know, that's average. Like any average over a minute is, I mean, partly it's power play, but partly it's just they, they, they overstayed their welcome. And you know what? The winning goal in overtime, the shift was 1 minute 14 seconds at yeah. exact average length. And there they were sucking in wind at the end of the shift and, and uh, uh, more energized opponents were putting the puck in the net and putting the game away. Yeah, and, when you're sucking wind against uh, Ben and Sagan, that's yeah. not a good thing. Ooh. No, Ben and Sagan. We saw, I mean, people been complaining about their play for Dallas, I understand, but uh, they looked like the old uh, oiler killers to me this afternoon. I thought Tyler Sagan in particular was just terrific tonight. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's, uh, uh, I guess, the name of that tune. Uh, I don't know what they can do, uh, Kurt. Maybe, I mean, do they just want to play these guys for a minute plus shifts, or do they want to maybe throw them over the boards a little bit more often, maybe with a, you know, a shorter break between shifts and, you know, have them come off after 45 seconds, but go right back out there one shift later. There's got to be different ways of doing it. But in overtime, Dave Tippett did say in the post game that uh, Dallas changed their guys. He said, Connor and Leon were tired. And he said, we changed our defense, but they decided to go up the ice with the puck and they couldn't make a play. They were too tired to make a play. And then they were too tired to get back. And, and I'm going, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. live, live by the sword, die by the sword. I mean, they have won games on long shifts in overtime too. So, you know, they've sometimes uh, you know, found that. Absolutely. And, and do you want those guys out on three on three almost? Yes. Both? I'm sure you do. But I mean, you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the bench. That's a pretty good option. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, I, I, you know, at some point, I think you, you, you really uh, nailed it there, Bruce. It's at some point, you have to understand um, that there are consequences sometimes uh, for you taking that extra 15 seconds. And it might seem like a good idea at the time, but it's uh, but again, three on three is a, is a bit of a gamble one way or the other. And uh, certainly that the club wouldn't have the club would not have the record that it has had it, had it not been for those two players so far be, be it for me to right. criticize, but, but there's certainly were sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't criticize, but you can observe the facts. And the facts that I observe is that on the last four Dallas goals today, the five, that both uh, 29 and 97 were on the ice. And they got, they got beat, like, defensively. And sometimes it's like uh, on the, uh, I think it was the 2-2 goal, where both of them were kind of back, but neither one of them really took the slot. And it's like you got two centers there, and they're kind of deferring yeah. to one another, and they're not quite sure who's doing what. And it only takes a split second in this league, as you know. And, and, uh, yeah. and you no, pay you're the right. price. I didn't think the Oilers' back pressure was as good tonight as we've seen it in other games. Absolutely not. Um, the other one thing I wanted to throw at you was, um, even though we lost tonight, I think can, we can surely agree that Nico Koskinen had the save of the game. Ooh, save of the I'm, season, just oh, about. The, I mean, wow. the, rebound, 
the first shot was tough enough, but then Nick Camano came in with that rebound. And I don't know if you saw the one angle, the one angle from you behind see the, net. the whole, you could see the whole net. The whole and, he, and he slammed it in the far side, like away <laughs> from the side costume, and he got all the way over to get his level out there. Right. Yeah, that was that was a highlight reel save, man. It's uh, when when he made that stop, I thought, okay, you know, this is uh, maybe this this one's gonna go our way. But uh, and I certainly don't fault Koskinen, and I thought I didn't think he he had a bad night at all necessarily. And Ben Bishop honestly made one spectacular save too yeah. on that wraparound that Connor McDavid brought around. I mean, unless Ben Bishop six seven or six eight, he doesn't stop that yeah. puck. Well, we had two six seven guys in there today, and they both were at full stretch for those uh, for those highlight real stops. Yeah. Uh, in that particular case, the Oilers scored seconds later, anyway, so it didn't really help Ben yeah. Bishop. But but that really was a a full stretch. A six six goalie probably wouldn't have got that one. It was that close. He just jammed I, his skate, kicked it yeah. into the post, and out. I know you're an old goalie, but me's an old defenseman. My my groin just hurt watching that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right on. <clears throat> Well, uh, I, the only other observation I'm going to throw out there was I enjoyed the effort of Josh Archibald, and I thought he uh, mm. uh, he really gave it uh, on the uh, on the second line right wing. And the unfortunate thing is uh, I enjoyed Josh Archibald. Uh, we're starting to see his game, I think, now after yeah. a pretty struggling start with and he was ill, he was, and he, I think he was hurt, and he you know just hasn't really ticked into place. But they give him a shot up the lineup here. And he was throwing his weight around. He took a run at that big Jamie Alexiak to whom yeah. he gave up about a foot and a hundred pounds, and, and uh, held <laughs> he, his own, uh, right? Yeah, and and yeah. he had another another just tremendous like effort effort play along the board where he won two or three battles in a row against Sekera, and then he battled two other guys, and then he hit somebody at the end. And you think that's a VO2 max kind of effort yeah. at the end of the shift that he was able to do that. Yeah, so, that shift uh, against against Sacro against the wall then in the corner that was a spectacular yeah, shift. I mean, yeah. he led the Oilers with six hits. When does six Josh hit. Archibald lead your team with hits? Well, he's a, he's got. I think he had 172 or something last year. Like he does like to take to play the body, and he's an aggressive little fellow. And he gets uh, on you quick, but, doesn't he? But he's you know when I say I enjoy watching him play, I I also used to enjoy watching you know Billy Carroll or or uh, mm. uh, 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 Colin Fraser. I mean, guys that would, you know, fundamentally be be sound and uh, not give up a lot. But, I mean, you need to get a point once in a while, man. Yeah. And that, then, that applies to all of those guys. Yeah, that, and Archibald you know, had like 12, didn't he, last he had 12 year? 12 goals, 10 assists. Yeah. And you'd think it's going to come with uh, Nuge and Neal, but uh, it's, uh, it's overdue and uh, fines are accumulating. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, let's uh, let's uh, leave it there uh, uh, for this one. I got to write the player grades yet. It's going to take a while, but uh, uh, it's another postmortem of a, of a tight loss. Uh, thanks uh, very much for uh, filling in, uh, Kurt. Happy to do so, Bruce. Have a great night. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>